Hello and welcome to Not Another Witch Podcast. I'm Vicky, aka the Aphrodisian Witch. And today we're going to talk about my journey to becoming a priestess to Aphrodite. I get this question all the time and it's one that I have actually explained a couple of times on my grid. But obviously there's always new people coming into my audience, into my following. So I thought maybe it's just going to be easier just to do a podcast episode about it. Or I can just direct people rather than have to hash it out every single time. And I also know there's quite a few people out there that are intrigued about becoming priests or priestesses or priestesses for their own deities. So hopefully this will give you a little bit of inspiration of how you could take that formal step if you feel called to and if you want to. So I suppose the first thing that I want to say is that I actually still feel a lot of ickiness around calling myself a priestess. The word priestess is thrown around a lot in the in the spiritual community. Now maybe someone's just going to say that I'm just bitter, but It does irk me when I see people saying that they're a priestess, and it's usually a priestess. I I don't really see people who are calling themselves priests doing this. Well, they'll say, I'm a priestess. And I'm very much like, well, a priestess of what? A priestess of what lineage? A priestess of what deity? A priestess of what practice? There is this notion that in the spiritual community that if you do something like lead rituals or speak about spiritual things that you are automatically a priestess and that you can claim that role for yourself. And obviously this is just my opinion, but I truly believe that you have to be a priestess of something. It's the same thing as if we're speaking about another spiritual order. You can't just be the head of something and not actually specify what you're the head of or authority or in that higher position, in that priestess position. It has to be like, what are you actually the priestess of? And I'm sure maybe folks are going to come in and be like, well, I I don't have to do that or I'm not that. But when we actually look at the word priestess or high priestess or priest or priestess, it's really just in general. You could say you are a circle leader, a ritual leader, anything. And I know as well, it's also worth saying that I do feel like the word priestess has been appropriated within the witchcraft community. And I'm sure people are probably going to listen to this and be like, well, surely you're doing that. But people are very quick to call themselves a priestess, almost as a authoritative label, when actually it's not that at all. I truly believe that being a priestess is not only spreading knowledge about that particular deity or whatever your priestess of but it's also about like fulfilling commitments and vows and having a community aspect as well you can't just be a priestess if you just not not speak to anyone don't speak to your audience don't teach them don't spread the knowledge about your specific deity or anything like that it's not just a label and it irks me when i see folks who just call themselves a priest or a priestess without any further action. I feel like that's a bit of a cop-out. And I mean, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, oh shit, this is what I've done. And just listen to the rest of the episode because I'm hoping that that will give you a little bit more information about the lens that I'm approaching this from. And it is important to say that I am approaching this from a specific viewpoint. 
obviously when I'm speaking about being a priestess, I'm talking about it in a witchcraft sense, in a more neo-pagan sense. The word priestess or priest or priestess is not just limited to polytheism, neo-paganism, witchcraft. It's a cross-cultural thing and different cultures will have their own initiations, their own guidelines about what constitutes and makes you a priest or a priestess. When we apply this stuff to a more neo-pagan lens, the way that we actually interpret it does slightly change. And it's important to note that I am coming from a place of self-initiation. There is no formal order to Aphrodite or many of the Greek deities or the ancient Greek deities or many of the polytheistic deities. Sure, there might be small orders, but there's no formalized, recognized order of Aphrodite. I have looked. If there is anyone who is like, actually, I know something different, please reach out to me. I have found a few folks who bestow upon themselves authority to declare people priestesses or priests or priestesses. But again, I'm very much like, who gave you that authority? And I think sometimes, you know, when you end up going to small groups of people who have their own methods of initiation, sometimes they can be problematic and sometimes it might not actually vibe with how you actually view that deity, how you do that work. And that's what I found is the places that I have found, not that there's many in the UK, firstly tend to be either not welcoming or actively hostile to people who are not cis women or who they decide is a cis woman because they would probably look at me and say that I'm a cis woman, which unfortunately is something you'll find in a lot of Aphrodite circles, which is silly because when you actually dig into her history, it's like really not just limited to cis women, but it is what it is. So the reason why I feel a little bit of ickiness I guess around calling myself a priestess is on one hand even though I do see myself as femme and the word priestess aligns a lot better for me than priest or priestess a lot of people will say oh you are a woman especially because I present femme which is not a nice conversation to have all of the time especially on socials and then on the other hand, there's a territory that comes with being a priestess of Aphrodite specifically, which maybe I was naive in thinking that it wouldn't come with this territory, but of folks thinking that A, I like know all about relationships, which is not true. Whilst I am in a long-term successful marriage, I am also at the time of recording 25. So in, in, in my life in general, I haven't seen that much. And therefore I, while I can advise on relationships, especially from an Aphrodisian viewpoint, I am not a relationship therapist. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm not anything uh, professional in a relationship sense. So it's almost like the public perception of what a priestess is. That's something that I struggle with. So sometimes you'll see me alternate between priestess and worker, like Aphrodite worker. And this is very much depending on my own devotion at that particular time. Not that I ever stop doing my priestess duties, but sometimes I almost want to step away from the perceived difference in authority on Aphrodite stuff. And I know maybe some people are going to be listening to this and being like, well, you're a priestess. Of course you have an authority on Aphrodite stuff. And whilst that is true to a certain extent, 
I'm also not the authority and I'm not the authority on anyone's relationship with Aphrodite. So many folks will see the word priestess and will ask me questions that they should be asking to her. I'm not going to know whether Aphrodite is displeased with you. I am not going to know whether Aphrodite is going to bring that person back into your life. You need to ask her. (laughs) So I'm still working out a lot of my hesitancy with visibly owning my label as priestess. And I'm sure there is some imposter syndrome that comes into play here too. So now that I've sort of got some of that bits out of the way, I want to give folks the actual story of how I became a priestess to Aphrodite. There's no big uh, secret initiation. Well, actually, there kind of is. Actually, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. But there is a little bit of a secret initiation, but it's not as dramatic as you probably think. A lot of folks ask me, "How did you actually get started?" They want to become priestesses. So when you're listening to this story, please keep in mind this is just my experience. There is no set way to devote yourself to Aphrodite. There is no set way to become a priestess to Aphrodite. This is just my journey. And when I've spoken to other people who are workers and priests and priestesses and priestesses, they do have very different stories. So please take all of this with a pinch of salt. Don't compare my story to your own, to your own journey, because it is vastly different. So I think I've spoken a little bit about how I started my relationship with Aphrodite. I think it's in episode three on Aphrodite fucking up and queerness or something like that, where I speak about a disrespectful beginning to my Aphrodite work. So if you're not sure about that, hop on back to, I think it's episode three and just listen to how I actually started working with her because it's not the way that I recommend folks doing it. But obviously here I am. A couple of years later, speaking about her on a public platform, it didn't all go up in flames. So listen to that if you want to know how I actually started my connection with Aphrodite. So after I had been sort of sitting in her energy and worshipping Aphrodite for a couple of months and really leaning into my work with her, like all of my spiritual time and energy was devoted to learning about Aphrodite, to sitting by the altar, to praying to her, to all of this stuff, which really was not in my practice before I started working with her. And I started sharing about her to other people. I started speaking about her mythology, her epithets. And as many folks know who have come to my content, there's not a wealth of information out there about Aphrodite, especially from a witchcraft context. There's not many folks who work with her. While she is one of the more popular deities, if you do practice neo-paganism or Hellenistic polytheism or anything that kind of looks at the old gods, it's never going to be mainstream, but there are a lot of other deities who you'll struggle to find anyone online who is openly speaking about their work with them. So while there are some people out there speaking about Aphrodite, there's not loads. You know, if you wanted to find people who spoke about Jesus... There would be a lot. There's not that much for Aphrodite, even though there is some stuff out there. So I found that very quickly, folks were being pulled to me when I was speaking about Aphrodite. And I know some people have said, well, it's because you spoke about her in a way that actually makes sense. I personally believe that no matter what I put out there about Aphrodite, people are going to come because there's not that much information about her. Maybe folks are like, you shouldn't be as modest, but... I don't know. I I feel like there's not that much stuff out there. And therefore, of course, folks are going to find my work if they want to work with her, because 
it's not exactly like there's oversaturation in this particular corner of the internet. And as my work kind of got more intense with Aphrodite, so did my speaking about her. And this was more on a personal one-to-one level. This was before I started uh, the Aphrodisian Witch. I was still Rad Girl Designs at that point. And a lot of my artwork was inspired by Aphrodite and it was sort of looking at her epithets. And I very much saw crafting these digital portraits as devotion to her and of examining beauty all the way across the threshold intersectionally or as intersectionally as possible. So I really started submerging myself in Aphrodite work. And I remember the first time that someone called me a priestess and I was like, please do not call me that because that's not a role that I've taken on. I was very much downplaying my Aphrodite work. Like I was like, I know nothing. And while I still believe I know nothing, Then I very much thought if you speak to anyone who's worked with Aphrodite, they will know more than I do. And I am very much a beginner in this. Even though looking back, I I put in my hours, even though a couple of months, now again, being a couple of years into this journey, I'm like, that's so, so early. But I really felt that pull. But when I had that almost validated by the outside world, where I think someone very much in passing said, Oh yeah, well, Vicky's a priestess of Aphrodite. And I was like, no, I'm not. And they said, well, I mean, you speak about her and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but you know, I didn't even consider priestesshood at that point. I was like, I'm sure there's a formal order to Aphrodite. I don't know whether there's a way that I could even do this. And I was like, I'm not a priestess. I'm just someone who is worshiping her. I wasn't even calling myself a devotee at that point because I really thought that to be devoted to a deity, you had to be working with them for like a decade, which which I don't know where I got that from. But I, I always say that I had a very quote unquote informal devo- devotion to Aphrodite because I didn't sit down and say, I'm gonna be devoted to you. It was just like I started working with her and suddenly then I was devoted to her. I very much feel like if I could sum up a lot of my journey with Aphrodite, it's like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Even though I'm very happy about where I am, I didn't sign up for, this is not what I signed up for. I just signed up for like having a nice little part of my witchcraft practice that was kind of Venusian focused. And suddenly now it's like becoming my whole life. And I remember like very quickly brushing off that priestess comment and it kept happening. I kept being referred to as priestess to the point where it was annoying me. And I was sort of like, people are so quick to throw out this word. Like I could be speaking about fucking cheese and they'd be like, yes, Vicky is a priestess of cheese. You know, like I was, I was very much like, this is just silly. This is just people wanting someone to tell them what to do. And I can't do that. And it was coming up so often that it was almost laughable. And I remember sitting at my altar and kind of speaking to Aphrodite about it in a very nonchalant way and kind of telling her my concerns, telling her about how I was terrified of folks looking at me and listening to what I would say about Aphrodite and me not knowing what I was talking about or that I would do something wrong, that I would fuck it up, that I would, oh my God forbid, like end up someone getting, I don't know, like latched onto with like a weird energy or, you know, something bad happening because of the word that the work that I had spoken to people about, you know, setting up an altar to Aphrodite, there was still a part in the back of my head that was like, is it just setting up an altar? Like, could someone potentially work with another energy? Like there was all of these questions swarming around my head 
essentially boiling down to like, what if I cause harm? What if I cause harm in speaking to people about you, Aphrodite, and it turns people off Aphrodite work or like puts them in danger, energetic danger, spiritual danger. And I remember feeling this calming of my anxiety that the only way that I can describe it was like an energetic blanket being wrapped around my shoulders. Like, shh, it's okay. Like, whoa, stop, stop worrying about this. I had basically just felt this energy of like, do you really think that it's just these people saying this? People have not said this to you before. Do you really think it's just people using the wrong words? And I remember reading an article that was saying about people kind of self-taking on the word priestess. And it was like, you can't really, you can't really ascribe that to yourself. It's the same thing as like being an ally. You can't say, oh, well, I am an ally to queer people. It's like, well, actually, that's not really up for you to decide. Like, it's up to the folks that you are apparently being an ally to to decide. Not you. And I very much feel like it's the same thing with being a priestess. Anyone can say, yeah, I'm a priestess and take on that authoritative label and literally do nothing with it. Don't do any additional work. They might not even be actually working with the deity that they say they're working with or might not be doing the practices that they're saying they're a priestess of. You don't know. You really don't know. And over time, I had sort of realized in a roundabout way Maybe I was being ascribed by the community as being a priestess. It's something that's coming up all the time. And even with folks who knew their shit, not just like beginner witches, not just folks who were very early in their deity journey, who perhaps wouldn't know the weight of that label. There were witches who had been connecting to deities or priestesses in and of themselves who were using this word with me. So... After a couple of months of kind of like battling with it and rejecting it and saying that's not for me, this isn't again not what I signed up for, I ended up taking the plunge and wrote this like self-initiation or I like to say like initiated by Aphrodite but that sounds really pretentious. I do feel like I was initiated by Aphrodite because I did not seek out this. It was very much put into motion for me. But in a practical sense, I was not initiated by a temple or an order or anything like that because there is none. I'm waiting for someone to message me now and be like, actually, um, but I have done a lot of research on this, usually when my imposter syndrome about being a priestess crops up and there's no formalized order. So anyone who is calling themselves a priestess or a priest or a priestess will be self-initiated. To a degree, it might be that actually somebody else initiated them, but where did that person get initiated? So if anyone tells you that they are like a formal, you know, priestess of Aphrodite and have been given that title by a formal order, please look at them with a very, very, very skeptical eye because there isn't any from my research. So I wrote this ritual and really spent a long time thinking about what being a priestess meant. What does it actually mean? What do I have to do? I can't just be like, I'm this, and that's it. I have to do something. I have to have values for something. I have to really think about 
my commitment to Aphrodite. And I remember my initiation ritual, 4th of December. It was a Friday. The 4th of the month is sacred to her. It was just like everything lined up perfectly. And I have a written record of the ritual in my grimoire. But I lost four hours of my life. I didn't realize I was in there for that long. But I came out and I remember speaking to my husband and saying, like, I'm done. Like, I think I was running a bath because I wanted to do, like, a cleanse. And I remember him saying, like, I really did not think you were going to be that long. And I was like, how long have I been? It was like four hours. And I, I really, it didn't feel like that. And I remember when I walked out of my altar room, which is where I'm recording this, feeling almost like high, like woozy. And I, I think if anyone's ever been in like intense ritual situations, you know that feeling of you need to ground, you need to ground yourself. You feel like a bit out of your body, a bit ethereal, astral focused. And I remember like, you know, it's not like I left the room and then I was like, shit, I can't remember anything. I remembered it. And then very quickly, like overnight, it was like wiped from my brain. I have no recollection of this initiation ritual, which is wild. I know what happened in a sense of like the ritual that I did in the spaces where I was like leaving it open, like sitting at my altar, meditating, singing, dancing. I have no recollection. Zero which is wild. I can't believe I've lost four hours of my life. Even with the most intense rituals that I've done, I usually have some recollection, even if it's a bit hazy. This one, no. And it was almost instantaneous. And I know that might not mean anything to anyone else, but for me, I was like, oh, this shit is real. Like, oh my God. Like I have literally been like, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know what happened in that ritual. You know what happened physically, you know, you know what you did, but I don't know what happened to me. And I remember leaving that ritual and feeling like a very changed person. And when I actually did that ritual, the first thing that I really wanted to get down, this is something that if you're considering potentially pursuing priesthood, priestesshood, priestexhood, to think about the commitments that you're actually making to that deity. What roles do you have to fill in order to be their worker? And this is going to be different for everyone. However, there are some ones that I would really recommend most folks doing, at least to some degree. Now, these vows, I started off with a handful. And every year on the anniversary of my devotion, I'm adding more. And even, you know, between my anniversaries of devotion, I add more. Like sometimes just a random role will evolve. And I'm like, oh shit, this is obviously part of the priestesshood. And... I will ask Aphrodite, like, what do you want for me to, to call forward? What do you want me to teach the community? And sometimes none of it makes any fucking sense, but it is what it is. I'm like, this, why do you want me to speak about this particular thing? But it always ends up, oh, of course, that's why you wanted me to speak about that particular thing, because that's related to this particular part of you or whatever. So the first commitment that I made was to teach people about her. To spread, this sounds so cheesy, but to spread the word. Especially with Aphrodite, I was really frustrated that so many people just saw her as like this aesthetic, vapid deity that had no like substance, was just the goddess of beauty and love and like all those pretty nice things. And obviously throughout my reading with her, I found that she was not that at all. Well, in some part, I guess she was, but there is so much more to her beneath the surface so my first vow to Aphrodite is I'm going to speak to people 
about you. I'm gonna speak to people about you. I'm gonna tell people about you in your whole form. It's one of the reasons why I started The Aphrodisian Witch is to give myself a platform to actually talk to people about her. So that was the first thing. And obviously I've made like a masterclass series, which we really go deep into these lesser known aspects of Aphrodite. So if you're interested in that, that's going to be in the in the little sh- podcast description. So you can go check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about her. I think it's something silly, like seven hours of content or something like that, plus a load of other bonuses. So I, as well, trying to like show people about her different epithets when folks were approaching me and asking, you know, I want to work with Aphrodite, but I'm really not sure of where to start. Letting them know that it's not just all self-love and beauty and all that sort of stuff. And of course, you can resonate more with those parts of her. That's totally fine. It's knowing that there are other parts of her and acknowledging that there are other parts of her that are lesser spoken about, that are lesser accepted and encouraged. So that was the first thing. And I think actually that one, I would say, is almost a must for anyone who is looking to take their devotion to a deity to another level. You need to speak about them. You need to teach people about them. The second thing was that I was really keen on my priestesshood being very, very, very focused on the community, on the collective, because I see so many folks in the neo-pagan community taking on the label of priestess and literally doing nothing to give back to the community. So for me, because I have economic privilege and financial privilege I'm currently financially stable that looks like giving a certain amount of my income to uh, mutual aid or causes that are close to Aphrodite especially sex workers trans people women anyone that is particularly sacred to her in specifically anything focused on Aphrodite work will always get a portion of my sales going towards a person or a group of people or mutual aid or something like that, as well as my own personal resources, not just that from the Aphrodisian witch. And I think that is a very important part. Now, I also know that not everyone is going to be able to give money. You can give time, you can give attention, you can give energy, even if you cannot afford to give a particular amount of money, you can do other things. All that being said, if you are doing things like rituals for folks or workings or prayers and you are getting financially compensated for that, which you should be allowed to do, like I don't want to shit on anyone for getting financially compensated, you deserve to get compensated for your energy. But if it's something to do with your deity, consider whether maybe some of that money can go towards causes that are sacred to them. I have found that since I've been doing these sort of community pledges to Aphrodite, the more magical my devotion to her has become, the more powerful my workings to her have become. And also I feel like I'm actually making like a a tangible difference. So giving some sort of resources to community is a really important part of my priestesshood to Aphrodite, as well as reading and making sure that I'm undoing my own internal biases about her and about the people who are sacred to her. So like making sure I'm undoing my sex worker phobia or my transphobia, because even though I am non-binary, I'm trans myself, we all have internalized biases because we have grown up in cultures and societies that 
also hold these biases. So many of them have been transferred onto us. Just because you start working with a particular deity doesn't mean that you suddenly just get all of it. There are going to be some experiences of people that are sacred to Aphrodite that I'm never going to understand. And so it's down to me to actually do the education, do the reading, and actually do the work to undo those internalized perceptions and biases. Another extremely important part of my devotion is giving offerings. And I know this is a big part of folks who are even not like priestesses or priestesses or priests, especially the Hellenistic deities. They love their offerings. But I give offerings literally every single day, multiple times a day. I pray to her at least once a day or multiple times a day. I give thanks to her multiple times a day. There is not many hours where Aphrodite is not present in my mind. There is a, always an altar in the house for her. And I try when I'm traveling to also set up an altar to her as well. Like when I go to South Africa at the end of April, I will be bringing my little Aphrodite travel altar with me so that I can set it up in my friend's house because taking her with me is a really big part of my devotion. I've also got a devotional tattoo to her. I've got her word across my butt, <laughs> um, which I take so much delight in like moisturizing and even just like putting my hand on top of it because it's right at like the the base of my back where I get like my period pain. So especially when I'm having kind of menstrual cramps, I will just put my hand there and just say thank you. So I really like to do all those very visible methods of devotion. I will definitely get another tattoo, maybe a couple of tattoos for Aphrodite. In the same way, like I veil as devotion to her. And I think I'm gonna do a mini episode on veiling if you're not really sure about what that is. I have some resources on my grid, but I think I'm going to do a mini episode about it. But I cover my head in devotion to her on some days, not all the time. And a lot of people ask if this is for modesty. It's not. It is very much just a protective thing. I ask for her to protect me as I veil. I don't know whether it could be classed as like a visible way of devoting myself to her because most people don't look at me and go, oh yes, pink headscarf, obviously devoted to Aphrodite. So I suppose to me, it's a representation of my devotion, but other people are not going to view it as that because that, that's, I imagine that's not what people, that's not what people's heads go when they see someone wearing, wearing a headscarf. Especially, I think, a white person wearing a headscarf. People get really weirded out by it, even though there's loads of cultures who are perceived as white and are white who cover their heads. So, I, I, you know, it's not like just, just something for people of color or people who are not white. Like, it is, you know, a cross across human thing. So obviously regularly giving those offerings, regularly saying prayers and all that sort of stuff is a very important part of my devotion. And a new part that I have been dabbling with kind of privately with loved ones, but now I'm actually bringing into my priestesshood in like a public sense is actually doing magical workings for people on behalf of them for Aphrodite. So like when I'm recording this, we've got next Sunday, a week from today, I released like a self-enchantment candle working to work with like Venus and Taurus and to kind of be my first official magical spiritual working on behalf of the community to petition Aphrodite. And that's in a week and I am looking so forward to that. And that was kind of wild. It, it sold out in like 72 hours, which I was really not expecting it to. But that was a part of my priestesshood that I have been pushed to, that I felt Aphrodite 
pushed me to a couple of times and I've always just felt like, oh, I don't know whether people are even going to want that from me. People come to my platform to learn, you know, um, I'd rather teach people about Aphrodite because then they can do the workings themselves. But actually doing work on behalf of the community is an important part of, of being a priest or a priestax or a priestess in whatever way. And I have been doing this in small ways, giving offerings on behalf of other people, praying for other people to her with their consent. But this has been the first time I've done it in a big way for people that I don't really know. You know, it's not like friends and family and people who I know kind of intimately. These are people who actually, some, of, some people who have joined this candle working have never bought any of my stuff. I have never seen them interacting with any of my stuff. So it's also been kind of an expanding experience in that sense too. There are a couple of other vows that I keep, but they stay between me and her. There are a couple of other public ones, but I just, I just can't think of them right now. Maybe I'll do a second episode on this, maybe in like a year or something, where I'll say about how my, how my priestesshood has developed. So I suppose my main takeaways from this, and from this episode that I'd like folks to kind of walk away with, is that there is no formal order to Aphrodite. So technically everyone is going to be self-initiated to some degree. That's something to keep in mind. And I think that's an important distinction to make. I am not ever coming from a place of being in a larger order. Because especially in the UK, there is no larger order. Everyone or most people, especially folks that I've spoken to, are working solo. And I would love to see that change in the near future. And one of my big, big, big goals in my priestesshood is to create some kind of order in a way that gives folks flexibility and sovereignty, which is the bit I'm trying to figure out of how you can actually do that, as well as loads of other concerns about it potentially coming like a little bit culty or something like that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of, lots of stuff that I need to take into consideration before we even open that chapter. And there are a lot of stuff that I am working towards with Aphrodite, but I think the main thing is that taking on this label is more than just taking on a label and saying that I'm a priestess of Aphrodite. There are responsibilities and roles and duties that come into it that a lot of folks, A, literally cannot see because they're not in my life. And also some bits that are very mundane and not glamorous at all that I think a lot of people would be bored by. It's not just a label for you to take on and then use as a way to make folks listen to you. This is why I don't have it in my bio and Instagram. I mean, I don't have the time of recording. I might change that in the future, but Aphrodite Worker, it seems a little bit more like I'm in the trenches with you. It's not just I am a priestess and I say this. I found that when I switch my bio to say priestess, I get a lot more DMs from people who are just like heartbroken. And I'm like, you need to see a therapist. You need to see a relationship therapist, you know, or someone who is not me because my stuff is focused on spiritual devotion to Aphrodite. So using the word worker keeps things a little bit more open. And whilst I think it would be naive of me to say that there's no difference in authority, because as soon as you take on a label, that implies authority. Whilst I don't believe that I am the authority and I don't like folks taking everything I say 
100% and not actually applying it to their own lives, their own practices, not looking at it with a skeptical eye. Wicca, it does even that balance out a little bit. So like, I just hope folks understand that it's something I'm still working out myself. In a few years, I might not even want to use the label. In a few years, I might exclusively use the label. I don't know. Again, I am extremely early days in, in the big picture in my actual devotion and priestesshood to Aphrodite. There are so many folks out there that have been doing it longer than I've been alive. So it's very much just figuring it all out in my own way, in a way that feels good to me, in a way that feels good to Aphrodite, that is aligned with my values, that isn't exploitative, that is realistic. God, realistic, yes. Important to keep your priestesshood realistic about what you can actually do, what you can actually give. And it's difficult to know that. But I'm still figuring it out. I'm still very early on in my journey. And I hope that this episode has just sort of given people just a little bit of, of info about where I'm actually approaching this work from, where I'm approaching my priestesshood from, and what that even means to me. Like I said earlier in the episode, if you are intrigued about working with Aphrodite, I have a masterclass, like, little series. It's two masterclasses with a bunch of bonuses. All about working with Aphrodite in a whole cell. Not just as the goddess of beauty and love, but also as the goddess of war and revenge and queerness and the outsiders and all of this stuff that I really feel like a lot of folks would benefit from if they knew it. So if you are interested about learning from me about Aphrodite, I'll put that link in the description for the show. And of course, there are loads of free resources on my grid. I've also got a free guided meditation to connect to Aphrodite. If you sign up to my newsletter, which I'll also drop the, the link for that in the description, if you're intrigued about just reaching out to this goddess and connecting to her. I hope that this was helpful and answered some of your questions about priestesshood in general and about my experience in priestesshood. So that's all from me today. Go check out the course. Go check out my grid. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with others and subscribe and do all the normal podcasty stuff that people do. And yeah, I will speak to you soon. Bye.